Yeah, here. We're fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We are officially in the month of March. Our Black History Month specials have come to a close until next year. Um, and... I, I mean, we're going to talk about Black artists all year, I hope. Right, right. But I'm saying, I think, you know, obviously, like, next year for Black History Month, we'll probably do a similar thing. You know? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I'm, you know. I'm just busting on But you. yeah, let's be real. I mean, the majority, yeah probably but uh anyway so for this episode we thought we would just kind of uh have something a little bit looser you know the last four episodes have been like super structured and we kind of been doing deep dives and everything like that whereas for this episode we figure we would just share uh what we have been listening to lately because i mean okay yeah we you know we were doing a lot of stacks a lot of motown artists you know stevie wonder james brown etc but there's other things that we've been listening to as well um and uh we figured we would just talk about that for the episode so luke you were telling us this morning how you had a quote-unquote psychedelic breakfast <laughs> yeah i, I started You've been doing a lot of record spinning i have been i have been but uh you know. i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring a different flavor i did wake up and listen to pink floyd's piper at the gates of dawn at six in the morning it's a bit daring but uh no, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring some nostalgia class classics here from my childhood. Um, rat, uh, <laughs> rat. No, I did listen to a lot of rat in my teenage years. But, um, <laughs> oh my god! No, we I've been watching uh, that TV like that series that was on VH1. Like I love the '90s and '80s and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was specifically watching I love the '90s, and it gave me a lot of nostalgia. So I'm gonna start off with a song I've been playing on my way to work, at work, and on my way home all week. Uh, Groove is in the heart oh, by D-Light. Uh, by Delight. Yeah, released 1990. Um, this song I just love this song because it's like <sighs> super nostalgic uh, for me, and that's what I was kind of going after this week. And um, stuff I did not know about the song. First of all, I never realized that uh, Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest is, like, uh, does the rap in the outro, which, like, blew my mind from, like, really re-listening and getting into the song again. Um, also, I did know Bootsy Collins is on this song, and he, like, gives great ad-libs and other stuff on there. Um, but also, I did not know that Maceo Parker and Fred Weasley do the horn lines on this song. Um, so it's got, it got that great James Brown um, of Bootsy Collins and um, uh, Fred and um, Maceo Parker on the uh, horns on there. And on top of that, I just like the um, the out of placeness of it, like how it's like a you know 60s like dance kind of thing in the um, hip hop era. It's got a lot in common with like the Jungle Brothers kind of thing going on. Um, and then like the sampling bass line on there is um, Herbie Hancock's uh, Bring Down the Birds. Um, that's the bass, and then this other song uh, by Vernon Butch um, is the um, the drum sample, and I love like the two mixed together. I just love all the artists involved with it, whether it's Q-Tip and Bootsy, and I just like love all of it. I especially love how it kind of kicks off the '90s, um, '60s retro wearing bell bottoms, smiley faces thing that like 
me and my sister were very heavily involved in and those, you know those aren't bell bottoms those are, those are trip pants luke yeah well i mean it kind of like led into that right though it yeah. was like we all were like wearing like you know smiley face t-shirts and peace signs and it like i feel like this song was like the first of that era to really like throw those like nods back and um yeah i just like love like the the it reminds me a lot of my like in the 90s like i remember there being like a 60s revival that like 60s 70s revival that happened with like dazed and confused and all that stuff and this was definitely like a part of that and i've just been listening to it like remembering all the good times and it's just a solid dance track on top of that yeah it's a great but, song i mean and you're right because it did really kick off something here in america um like that dance kind of disco soul house blend all became super popular in pop music in the early nineties. And that song came out in 1990. So like, if you think about pop music in the nineties, a lot of people think about like alternative rock and stuff. Like heavy on like, been like club music. Groove is in the heart was like a key thing in that sound. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been like really like was going down a rabbit hole and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, I guess they is just like the Jungle Brothers kind of, you know what I mean? And I'm like, because I already listened to that and I was kind of putting two and two together. And I listened to a lot of dance music this week of that era. And like for me, that song is just like so I mean, it sounds fresh today. And I think, like, it, you know, it still gets people dancing. And I also loved, like, the intro of it. Like, I think it was, like, one of the first, like, ta- you know, like, the, you are going to dance, like, before <laughs> yeah. it, like, starts playing. And, like, um, I also, like, was listening to a lot of 90s music that had those kind of intros. Like, even Cheryl Crow's All I Want to Do, I was listening to that. And she's like, this ain't no rodeo. Like, it has <laughs> the same kind of, like, intro to the song, which I really like. So that was that's my number one pick of stuff I've been listening to this week, and it was a kickoff of nostalgia. Wow, that's nice. Choice. Yeah, Jeff, how about you? Um, well, I've also been going very heavy into the electronic dance house disco type music this week too, because Daft Punk announced their retirement uh, five or six days ago. Sad. I'm sad. The robots had you know combusted. I was just <laughs> learning to love. <laughs> um, so I've been like playing a ton of Daft Punk and Daft Punk. For those of you who don't know their stuff, you know, their big single from 2013 was Get Lucky, which is Nile Rogers from Chic on guitar. And it's very like a disco soul dance song. Um, but if you get earlier in their discography, they started out as French uh, like house music DJs. So you got their first album, Homework, which is like mostly house, like electro house music that has some sampled vocals, but it's none of their own, or I don't think it's any of their own vocals really on that album. And then their next album, Discovery, is like one of my favorite albums of all time. Came out in 2001. And that one is like chopping up lots of samples from the disco and um, kind of like the uh, Super Tramp style of rock music from the seventies and that album discovery is just like top to bottom incredible. And then they did this like very kind of aggressive robot music album human after all, which I only really got into this past week. Cause when it came out, I was in college and I just wasn't really feeling it. It was too aggressive for me. Um, and then also their, their last album random access memories is like an absolute crowning achievement. Cause 
it's their like electronic synths and like vocoder vocals and all that but they use all the studio musicians that they used to sample they got all those guys in the studio and played real tracks with them so you got jr robinson and omar hakeem on drums and jr played on like off the wall by michael jackson and omar hakeem played on uh like david bowie's let's dance album you got greg lease on pedal steel you have james genus the snl bassist you have nathan east a you know renowned bassist for the last 40 50 years on bass um they had who else was on the album Paul Jackson Jr., who like was a guitar player on like the soft rock Michael Jackson stuff of the 70s and the early 80s. Um, and Nile Rogers, of course. And they got guest vocalists, you know, Pharrell and Panda Bear and Julian Casablancas. And I think Random Access Memories is like it's the perfect fusion of organic analog 70s sounds mixed with like modern electronic like synths and it's like if anybody hasn't listened to random access memories please do yourself the favor and and you know half the tracks are instrumental but the other half especially the ones with vocals like i don't see why people wouldn't be able to get into it because the way they use the vocoder and do like the robot the robot vocals it's like it's the it's some of the most beautiful stuff of all time and it and it just sounds like either happy or sad robot music and it's 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 (laughs) you know like it's it's very wistful and it's very like I don't know. They do they do so much on that album. It just like covers every bass. So Daft Punk, R.I.P. Robots. Yeah, with that album, like I remember. I mean, like I'm not really well versed in the Daft Punk discography universe, uh, but but that album specifically, I remember. I think it was like you had found like an old CD book. Yeah, yeah. I think at one point a couple of years ago, and you were like, "Yo, man, make sure you listen to this Daft Punk out Punk album." And like I put it on, and it was one of those kind of experiences where like you know how like if a friend recommends a band or something like that and then you listen to it and then as you're listening to it you're like oh holy shit i didn't realize that i know like 80 yeah. percent of this album you know because it's it, it, and that album for me was one of those experiences 100 percent. like i was like oh shit like i didn't really you know uh i didn't realize how many songs of theirs i knew you know yeah so, and the, the louder yeah, you play their stuff the better because like the the keyboards are so thick and luscious and then like especially random access memories the guys that got playing on the album are so immaculate like they're the best players in the world so like every hi-hat hit is like perfect every little like flare is perfect it's just they always sounded great at the skate and oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Play like one more time. Three oh, times. Oh my like god. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and something about us, it's a track off of Discovery, their second album. Something about us is like it's the best down tempo funk song of all time, in my opinion. Cause it's just like mm. and the bass is just like it sounds like it's repeating the same thing, but if you listen like every turn they're accented on a slightly different beat. So it's just like, it's just ear candy. It's for anybody who like really, really, really obsesses over music. Like we do like listen to Daft Punk, especially their later stuff. And you'll just hear like all this stuff that just kind of blows your mind. Yeah. Right on. Well, speaking of ear candy and music that's blowing your mind, I've been going hard on the Wolfpack album live at Madison square garden. Uh, Oh, dude it's so good i mean it's it really is such an incredible album 
Um, I like and that also, we are all listening to dance music and we didn't talk about <laughs> what we were listening to. No, because we're coming like, man. I think that's why. Yeah, trying yeah. to get the spirits higher, you know, trying to like bring in the good <laughs> vibes and the the optimism, if you will. Um, I mean, this, yeah, this is another one. It's a great album. It's they're the only headlining band to sell out Madison Square Garden without a manager or a major record label behind them to to promote it, which I mean is a feat in itself. I mean, you think Madison Square Garden immediately, it's like you think of like huge bands like Led Zeppelin, Madison Square Garden. It's like our Royal Royal Albert Hall in that sense, where it's like the Who's Who have played at Madison Square Garden. The Who. The Who. Uh but yeah, man, and like you know, you have Joe Dart on bass, who is absolutely incredible bass player. Notably, he plays, he has his own uh, Ernie Ball Music Man, uh, Joe Dart signature bass, which they make sure they let you know during the live performance, too. They're like, Joe Dart on the Joe Dart <laughs> bass. And then, like, they go into it, you know. But there's, like, a cool moment where I can't remember exactly whose mother it is, but they do, like, this sort of, like, meditation yeah, Jack's, Jack's thing. Like, mom. Yeah. Yeah, Jack's right. And so, like, they play, like, this sort of, like, ethereal kind of music. And then she comes out and the entire crowd is, like, yeah, touching their third eye and their foreheads and, like, reaching their hands up <laughs> and, like, doing breathing exercises together. It was just, it's so cool to see that kind of a thing as, like, this reset in the middle of this, you know, in the middle of this uh, uh, performance. Um, you know, they come out so strong, like, animal spirits into Corey Wong. I love Corey Wong's introduction, too, where they're, like, and now his mother like named him after a Wolfpack song, Corey Wong, you know, and in terms of a funk guitar player, uh, man, Corey Wong's right hand, his right wrist is I've never I mean I've never seen anything dude, he quite takes like not, it, you know, he, and he he's just, like Nile Rogers style and then like accelerated it beyond like what I can comprehend. Right. Right, right. And Crazy. I mean, just the line, you know, Theo Katzman, Woody Goss, uh, oh, Woody, so uh, Joey Dosick, mm-hmm. amazing, uh, and uh, yeah, Antoine Stanley, like, it's just, it's an incredible lineup of musicians. Um, I love the, I love the beginning of it, where you get this kind of like, like this Jewish sort of influence, like clarinet mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then it just kicks right into like the intro and then like if you watch the live performance it's available on youtube they have like a whole stage set up with like couches and like people come in and they come out and like it's just it's an incredible incredible performance and i think i said it more recently on the podcast but uh the song cory wong has been like my hi- my hype tune like going into work like just because it's just it just keeps everything you know what i mean it's so good even like animal spirits in the beginning where he's like ah! like these the vocals are fucking amazing. Like, just it's just such a great, great album. I mean, obviously, all the studio albums are amazing too. But for me, I love live albums. I love the energy of the crowd. I love the interaction with the crowd on this. Like, I think all around, like you can't really, you can't really fuck, you can't really fuck with Wolfbeck, especially Joe Dart as a bass player, man. You know, like he's just so good. He's it's like it's crazy. It's crazy how good he is, but I mean that's every, that's that's everyone in the band anyway, you know. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's my first pick of what I've been listening to lately. Wolfpack live at Madison Square. Yeah, I mean they're what they're. I don't know if they're my favorite current band, contemporary band, but they might be. 
Like it's just it's just pop funk. It's hooks. It's hook. Everything is hooks. 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 Every part. Like yeah. and the machine. Like all those guys play the right notes at the right time. And everything is like high level musicianship. But it's more men- high level mental musicianship that I appreciate because it's just like yeah. they write songs and like you you can if you listen to the songs you can remember every little part. Um, yeah, and and the cool thing about that yeah. live that live album, especially if you watch a YouTube video. It's one continuous camera shot and the cameraman mm-hmm. is standing on stage and walking around. So it's like the whole show, you're basically like a, a member of the band just like milling around. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. Great, great band. band. Great, great band. Great band. So, yeah. So onward, Luca. All right. So my next song here is um, going you know, to the later portion of the 90s, but we have uh, Feel So Good by Mace featuring Puff Daddy. (laughs) Oh, man! Um, Obviously, the famous sample is Hollywood Swingin', um, and then the chorus is uh, the Miami Sound Machine, uh, Bad Boy. Um, So, basically, they (laughs) they literally just take Hollywood Swingin' and, like, pretty much rap over it and then steal the chorus from this other song. Um... I love this era of hip hop because I would have been like, right, just like <laughs> I would have been like young, and I liked how, like when I was little, it didn't matter what they were saying. Like it was so flashy, and um, this was like the puffy coat era. Um, it was a celebration. It wasn't like it was, it was after like gangster rap happened, um, and this was like a new era of like. Um, glamour and like money and flashiness and I love like the hooks and the courses of it um, so this was super nostalgia driven for me but um, I just think Mace was like such a great like rapper I like how none of it is really like none of it is anything heavy that they're talking about they're just talking about having fun and money and fast cars and um, and obviously the Hollywood swinging um sample just like i love that cool in the gang album so just to you know have that and like have rapping going over it that it's just was um added to the dance danceableness and uh nostalgia vibe hardcore and i really like that era of hip-hop and the plasticness of it and mm. you know what i mean i just love that uh era of like the boy bands and the plastic rappy nothing serious and happening here it's just money cars girls and fun so, yeah um, did you uh did you ever see that making the video special with mace after no he had he had become like a born-again christian no oh man it was like a it was like a making the video remember how they used to have that on mtv and yeah. they were making a video for him and i think he had i want to say he had actually gone to prison for for a little while i think it was like a year or two or something like that i i, I could be wrong though. i could be wrong but either way the point is, is that he did become like a born again Christian and they're like on set to film this. And, you know, they kind of have like the stereotypical, like, you know, like the big cars and the money and like the girls and the little tiny short shorts and the halter tops and all that stuff. And he is like, no, like dress those women more appropriately. Really? I'm not yeah, about this. Wow. Type of, I'm not about this lifestyle anymore. Like. Uh, you know, he was like really rooted in his in his uh, in his Christianity like at that popping, point. So he's popping kind of little a... vials of holy water instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, he just got two big bottles of holy water. He clinks them together. 
That's a hundred percent Catholic, baby. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no, it's Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy's in the back. Just can't stop. Won't stop. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, no, just it's just interesting. I think kind of a fun fact about Mace too, because yeah, man, like I mean, that was that was really kind of like the the you know bad boy was huge i mean you also i mean obviously biggie was the big bad boy artist but you also had them you had um what was it 112 was another bad boy yep, yep. uh you know uh group and like yeah man like at that point it was i don't even know if, if it was puff daddy p diddy or i don't know what he was at that point sean. going by but sean you can call me sean um but uh but yeah no that's a great pick man i and that reminds me of a very, very specific yeah, time and place in my life. Yeah, it's just that, like, that was when I was, like, a kid and I was first, like, you first hearing rap ever on the radio. That's what, like, you heard. I heard, like, Mace and those, yeah. like, like uh, Puff, mm. Puff Daddy production songs because they were so big, flashy, yeah. and radio-ready. Like, Missing mm-hmm. You came out at that time. Um, he, uh, Puff Daddy released a solo album. Mace came out with that record. And they all had, like, you know, uh, top 10 hits, if not number ones on them. So, like, he really came out in that era hard and pushed forward the new era of hip-hop, and I've been really... I was just... I love that whole sound. So, that's, yeah. you know, what I've been listening to. Yeah, and in contrast, too, like, you gotta think, at the time, like, you're coming out of not only, like, the West Coast, East Coast thing, but you look at a you look at a record label like Death Row Records, and it's hardcore. It's hardcore, like, gangster rap. You know what I mean? So... Mm-hmm. It's interesting to kind of see that progression too, leading into the 2000s, where the mood kind of got lighter, you know, and it was kind of like, but it, it was still like the boasting about the things that they have, but it was also like, but now we're like we're partying, we're having a good time. It was less of that sort of like visceral like assault on the ears, you mm-hmm. know, and it became much more light and fun, and you know, everyone's just having a good time and drinking Cristal and yeah, man, get a you puff, know, that stuff. get a puffy coat and get in a metal room. Yeah, man. The metal room. Yeah. That's true. Because those <laughs> videos, those were some of the best videos. Like $4 million. Oh, yeah. To... It's... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, what do you got, Jeff? Well, you know, coming out of Black History and uh, Black History Month and talk about James Brown. I, I've been listening to them a lot in the last six months anyway, but I've, I've continued my journey on with the Parliament Funkadelic Collective. So I was playing a lot of P-Funk this week. Um, Specifically, I've been going pretty deep on some certain albums. I've been listening to a lot of Funkadelic's uh, Take It to the Stage album and America Eats It's Young, which is the album right after Maggot Brain. Uh, Two great albums. And then for the the uh, Parliament stuff, I I had never really given it a shot, but I've been listening to Chocolate City. And um, that's like the album before they kind of like hit their apex and got Fred Wesley and Maceo Parker from the JBs in their band. So like the three albums after chocolate city are like their three huge ones, but chocolate city like sets the template for where they're going. Um, so yeah, P funk man, just, you know, good stuff. And I've been watching the, the cartoon show, the uh, tales from the tour bus and there's some good, <laughs> some good material on that. It's like a, it's a show that Mike Judge, the guy behind Beetle, uh, Beavis and Butthead, produced, and it takes musicians and it animates them, and they tell stories. It's kind of like the Dave Chappelle, um, Rick James Hollywood stories and stuff like that. Um, but it's actually like more factually based, and 
and it's from the horse's mouth and they interview people and it's 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 all it's very funny stuff especially the p-funk you know bootsy collins and george clinton stuff was uh pretty entertaining so check out those things there's clips on youtube that are you can check out yeah i um not this past week but the week before mm. was also doing the same thing just going going hard on the funkadelic uh and you know the parliament thing um i mean i i love like standing oh, yeah. standing on the verge of getting it on like i was doing that one tales yeah. of kid funkadelic uh mm-hmm. let's take it to the stage i mean those are all albums where like you know and I love the I love the song names. You have like yeah. to your ear hole. Get off your ass. <laughs> you know, and jam. like just we yeah. yeah, get well, get off your ass and jam. That's the one, right? Where it's like Rod Stewart's old guitar yeah. player that like ended up yeah. becoming like a homeless guy and and George Clinton was just like, Yeah, go ahead. And would you say it was like he asked for ten bucks, but I gave yeah. him twenty because I really like the solo and he's like, or this something? Guy was just like, like hanging that. outside the studio day after day and like one day on a smoke break, we like came back in and he was just like touching all our shit. And they're like, what's going on, man? And he was like, oh, I played guitar back in the day. And they're like, all right, whatever, man. Like, we'll, we'll give this guy a shot. We'll let you make his day for 20 minutes. And he played this ripping guitar solo. The whole, the whole track is a guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. And it's killer too. Like it's really, really good. Um, and then in terms of parliament, uh, like the clones of Dr. Funkenstein, yeah. Um, what is uh? It's Funkintelic versus Funkintelic the versus, versus yeah. the placebo syndrome. Like I just I love it, man. Like Bop Gun, that song is I mean amazing. Like there's just there's just so like it's there's just so much there, and it's cool because like you can get kind of like two sides of the same coin between Parliament and Funkadelic. Um, and really, this is where Bootsy Collins kind of like launched him his persona as Bootsy Collins was really by way of George Clinton, man. George Clinton was the one who was like, yo, man, you can like do this solo thing if you really wanted to. And then it's uh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, that's where you get but yeah, uh, Bootsy Collins and like, uh, you Bootsy got, Collins rubber band. If so. you're out there and you don't know Parliament Funkadelic, like just give the music a shot because it's, you know, it's it's over the top and it's the stage personas and all that, but it's fun and it's like socially political and all that stuff. But it's like, you know, it's disguised with this party flavor and I mean, I gotta be honest, I'm a early thirties white dude and, and I didn't listen to Parliament Funkadelic until I was like in my late twenties. And I list, I pride myself on listening to a little bit of everything, but I kind of was just like, I don't know, man, it just seems like goofy and like strange and a lot of synth weird sounds and stuff. But I got into it in the past three, four, five years and it's uh, you know, I, I pump that shit for a couple hours usually every week, so yeah, I definitely feel like I when I when I really started deep diving them, I felt like oh. I was like, oh my god, I missed out so much because like I remember when I was younger, and I like really the first sort of mm. electric guitar guitar that I had bought was a bass guitar. So my dad at the time was working with this guy who was like, oh, your son's playing bass. I have all these instructional DVDs that mm. I can burn for him and give him, you know. And it was like Verdi White, uh, Larry Graham, Bootsy Collins, and at the time. I was so just like <laughs> from Metallica, you know, at Steve Harris from Iron Maiden that I didn't really care too much to like watch those DVDs. And in hindsight now, I'm like, oh, God, I'm such an idiot. Like if, if I really, really, you know, but I mean, time and place, like you hear things when you're ready to hear them and, you know, uh, you know, all that stuff. But um, but yeah, in terms of like rhythm sections and, and as now picking up the bass again, 
sort of in my early thirties, like I've, I've uh, come to really appreciate, you know, the bass playing of those guys. And, you know, more specifically in this, in this case, Bootsy mm-hmm. Collins, man, cause you know, and I love the yeah. personas and the flashiness and the star guitars and the, this and the, that, and everybody has like their own individual. Well, and if you think about like general sound, George, like they plan everything out, but it's pretty loose. Like P funk, those two bands, that's like the jam band music that I should have been listening to. I never, I never got into jam bands because I'm just not really into that mentality of like people are just kind of kind of play whatever. We have a loose idea of what it is, but like P funk, that stuff, that's jam band music I can dig. Yes, yeah. yeah, same here. Like I don't really like you know I'm not really mm. as into guitar based jam band music, but like because this is all centered on like you know coming back groove. to the one and that like you know yeah. hypnotic. Yeah, the hypnotic, like, lucid groove kind of thing going on. It's, um, that's why it appeals to me more, too. So if you're not super into jam music, this might be more of your alley. So yeah, check it out, guys. Check it out. Um, for me, I am going to take things in a really, yeah. really different direction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the final countdown, baby. No, um, so I was at work the other night. And one of my coworkers is like, hey, man, we were talking about punk music. He's like a skater kid talking about punk music, talking about Ramones, talking about Sex Pistols. And he's like, hey, man, have you ever listened to AFI? And I was like, I mean, a little bit. They were kind of popular when we were in high school. They were like the AFI kids, quote unquote, you know, like that listened to it and stuff like that. The, you know, the kids that were listening to like AFI and Good Charlotte, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he plays me this song. And what song is it? <laughs> Halloween. It's called Halloween. And he's like, Yeah, have you heard this song? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I've heard this song. <laughs> Luke's wearing a Halloween shirt. Uh and um he's like, Oh, I love this song, man. And I was like, Oh yeah, man, you like the misfits? And he's like, No, not really. I was like, This is a misfit song. And he's like, What? And I'm like, Yeah, this is a misfit song, dude. And he's like, nah. And I'm like, dude. And I pulled up uh the the like the for me like when i go when i go for misfits i go for like what was the misfits box set it's like collections one and collections two um and that's got all that you know where eagles there it's got all like the big misfits tunes but it's also got you know a couple of deep cuts and stuff so um so yeah and i play for him and he's like no i don't really like danzig's voice but i really like this afi version and the afi version if anybody wants to know they released an, <laughs> they released an ep in 1999 um called AFI All Hallows EP and on that they cover you know the 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 Misfits tune. So I kind of been doing a little bit of Misfits, man. Um I love I love kind of like how I well, first of all, I love how like almost unbearably distorted the guitars are at times. They're like fizzy and it's like it's like gross music to listen to, but I like love it in every way. Like the production quality is kind of garbage, like there's no kill switch on the guitars. They're just <laughs> constantly feeding back. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, and it's that's like why. So yeah, it's so there's, over. There's no, there's no volume knob either. There's no, no it's volume straight. It's just straight up on all the time. Never yeah. Off. Um, I love how they kind of give you. They'll give you kind of like some like surfer rocky kind of punk stuff, but also kind of give you that really hard hitting kind of thing. It's like. It's like the Ramones on bath salts, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's madness. I love it. I love like the horror angle too. Like, I love how it's like this spooky kind of scary thing. You know, they're all, they all look like zombies and stuff. Like, 
You know, I mean, and really, when it comes to the Misfits, I wasn't really a big Misfits listener. I mean, I really wasn't a big punk listener until, Luke, you and I, like, kind of, you know, became friends. And you kind of were like, hey, man, you should kind of, like, check out the Ramones and the Misfits and stuff. Because, I mean, I know you specifically, you're more you're more of an American punk guy than you are a UK punk guy anyway. Uh, yeah, I but... mean, I, I love the Misfits. Like, uh, I, I like you're saying, like, when I was a kid, like, you know, you first get into Kiss, and Kiss is cool for, like, when you're, like, 10 to, like, 13, whatever. But um, when I started getting, like, punk music, like, the Misfits were, like, Kiss because they dressed up and they had costumes, but um, they were speaking about violent, heinous acts and, like, B- B-side horror movies and... Um, Things that like, but it was all kind of very tongue in cheek. It like, and you know, you kind of got that it was a big joke, like um, in some aspects. And then on another aspect, it was like Danzig was just super cool because he might really be evil, um, kind of thing. So it was kind of like you were dipping your hands and like stuff you shouldn't. Like, oh, it's all dark, and maybe they are evil. And yeah, they, they it's a really... taboo, right? Yeah, and it was a lot of fun, um, and I just, you know, I still love that band. Yeah, like, you're saying it's, like, the loud howling guitars and, like, the strong imagery of, like, Halloween and, yeah. um, you know, skeletons and skulls, and I, I just love that whole, like, it's Kiss, but punk, and I don't think, like, a lot of, like, people don't make the connection, but that's all I think about every time. Yeah, definitely. For me, it was, like, the, I think it was, like, really the iconic imagery, right? It's, like, the, the, the iconic crim- sort of, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the- crimson skull yeah and from like again like i mean even going back to what i was saying before where it was like i was really into like metallica and cliff burton when i first started picking up bass one thing that i always saw was cliff burton was always wearing misfits t-shirts and i was like what is that you know and you you see it it's like the black flag it's like the bars you know like you see it you kind of know what it is but it's also like what you know there's this kind of mystery around it and you're like wonder you know um and I really didn't deep dive until, like I said, man, you, I think you actually let me borrow this specific box set. Yeah. Uh, and I was sold, man. I mean, it's not for everybody. I know it's not for everybody, but like. That was like the only thing I got. There's almost no year. music. It's definitely not for Jeff, right? than Misfits type music. I, I, I kind of. I, yeah. which, I, which is good I, for I conversation. Hate, but I, I have. I spent 20 minutes of my life dipping my toe into trying to listen to that music and I hate it. My body rejects it. It's weird too, because like, I think, you know, you, okay. Like you have the Ramones and they kind of give you vocals wise is what I'm talking about. But the thing I, the thing I love about the Misfits is it's just like, if like the chorus oh, of Jim exa- Morrison exactly, rose from the exactly, dead started a punk band, it like would them. be like the Misfits. Exactly. <laughs> Because Danzig has that right. sort of Morrison-esque quality to his voice. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, obviously, Danzig's solo shit is... is I, I mean, I love I, Danzig's solo stuff, too. But, yeah, it's really a la, like, Jim Morrison. It's kind of this, like, dramatic sort of, like, richer sort of baritone voice that I don't think we necessarily attribute with, with punk. You know what I mean? Punk's more, like, higher-pitched voices, more kind of, like just a kind of a different delivery and i think that i think the uniqueness of that and danzig's voice is the thing that attracted me plus i liked danzig and i was hip to danzig before i was hip to the misfits so like going to the misfits i was like oh and it was familiar to me so i was like oh this is cool and then like you hear like we said like just that oh my god like it hurt like like that jaw clenching fucking brutal sort of overly distorted guitars and stuff like you know, for aggressive music, musically, I it just, doesn't. I enjoy it, it's so. just not my thing. But also, I think the thing that annoys me about it too is something you said 
in the beginning, which is like the the kiss nature of it and the the like um, how it's campy and over the top and how it's like satirical and jokey and stuff. I think those are, things are all true. Unfortunately, I think a lot of Misfits fans are like, no, this is their real life. And it's like, you're a jackass. <laughs> like, no offense. You're, you're an idiot. <laughs> Yeah. No, and um, to be like straight, like that's is it, yeah. you get like a lot of like the Grateful Dead fan kind of thing that goes on with that band. Um, but like if you're just like straight talking like the music, it it like it is some like brutal uh, stuff, but it it caves in on itself very fast, and yeah. that's why the band didn't last very long. You know what I mean? Like you could only kind of be that band for a minute, like, and it's very immediate in the moment, like. It's aggression run through horror movies. You know what I mean? It's like youthful yeah. aggression run through that, and you're not a youth for that long. And like to, to you could to appreciate it in the moment. Come on, is man. Cool, but like Doyle, Doyle Frankenstein. Yeah, it's hard to sustain. With his shirt off and nineteen head ba- wristbands on, <laughs> and he's sixty. Oh my god! Like the the money. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. Like, it's really bad. Like, but if you're gonna like, I, I mean, anything made after 1983, guys. Is I mean, not I, a, is I do no not knock the hustle. Like I said, it's just, yeah, it is just not my thing. I, you know what though? I'll, I'll give it 20 minutes this week, and I'll let you know what I think again. It's been about 10 years since I tried to listen to them. If I, if I give you something to listen to, it would be, yep. um, Walk Among Us, which would be like mm-hmm. the first album that was released in their time. And then the last album they released called right. um, uh, Wolf's Blood, uh, Earth AD, yeah. which is you get a hardcore album and a straight up like normal Ramones based punk album. And I think both give of those are uh, worth their salt for listening. Yeah, yeah. And this, I mean, this, this, coll- the collections one and two, the Misfits box set. Um, it's interesting too, because like just to touch on the history of it, like Danzig owned the rights to pretty much all of this music. And the problem was, was he was releasing stuff and making money, but the other members of the band weren't getting any money. So there ended up being this lawsuit. And if I remember correctly, the, the, the results of the lawsuit is the reason why this collection, the collection two, quote unquote, was released together with the box set. And then boom, now we have kind of like the a greatest hits, if you want to call it that. You know? it's, it's actually, if I'm, if I'm going to get very specific, it's everything that was ever released in, by the Misfits, except... Um, the Walk Among Us album, which was uh, owned by another record label, so it's everything but Walk Among Us. Yes, no, you are correct because it was that was released by the Slash Records subsidiary, uh, Ruby Records. So, so yeah, so I mean, interesting. You know, again, it's not for everybody, but like you know, I mean, you look at a band like the Misfits, and like you said, like with Kiss, the Misfits, and then you look, you kind of flash into present day, and you look at a band like Ghost, BC. And, like, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, you kind of see this sort of, like, the theatrics in that, like, the horror kind of vibe and all that stuff. I mean, I'm not a big Ghost fan. I I tried. Oh, I can I dig tried, Ghost sometimes. But I just I, could not. I I, instrumentally, I do, but I don't, like the, I don't like the vocals with Ghost. It's too much like this. If I'm going to listen to that, I'm just going to listen to King Diamond. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to go that route, I'm just going to go. Not saying that the same, because King Diamond's a little bit more like 80s metal, Merciful Fate, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, instrumentally, yeah. I mean, I think Ghost is is great. I love I love the nameless ghouls and like the the <laughs> whole the whole gimmick. Like, it's fun. You know, it's fun. But um, not yeah, not totally for me. But you know, what are you gonna do? 
what are you gonna do? But so yeah, let's um let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do a couple more, and then uh, you know we'll wrap it up. So <clears throat> stick around. Let me ask you guys something. Whatever happened to predictability? There must be some magic clues inside these gentle walls. Sometimes you get a feeling like you need some kind of change. I don't get any of those references. But each week on Talking Sit, Silas P. and a guest do a deep dive and raise up the sitcoms that raised us. Did Mr. Belvedere really sit on his balls? Why do people call him Uncle Joey when he wasn't related to the Tanners? And does anyone else remember Head of the Class? Find out each week on Talking Sit with Silas P. And we're back. Welcome. <laughs> and we're back to get the garage. Two rounds down, two to go. Up now, Luke Roberge with his third what he's been listening to pick of the week. All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm blasting you back with some nostalgia. We're going back to nineteen ninety seven. Number one, on two the fighters. No, you wish. Ah, damn it. Number, <sighs> Third number, blind. No, it's not even close. Blind melon. No. Uh, <laughs> blind melon. Oh. <laughs> My least favorite band of the nineties. Oh, it's pretty bad. Um, no, we're gonna. This is number one in the Hot 100, 1997. Uh, too close by the band Next. Um, oh my god, R&B. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff knows it. Of course mm-hmm. it. Um, Sexually explicit. Yes, yeah, so this song is like is every time I hear this is like the number one like brings me I, it brings me back to being like a child and then having absolutely no idea what the song was about until you're older and listen to it and you're like, "What? What are they talking about?" So this is like a um I would have been like 6 when this came out, 5 or 6 something like that. Um and this is like the ode to bumping and grinding. Um, uh, the opening, uh, ad lib is great. And I would say to check that out. Um, it's literally about, <laughs> um, the song is about boners and bumping. And grinding. <laughs> That's all this song is about. And it's got like the baby with we're grinding. I get so excited. And then the girl's like, yeah, Too I- close. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like a great sleazy song. Um, I love... heavy rotation at the skate rink. Yes, heavy and... oh, yeah. It's just got that great, like, um, like the great, like, funk guitar in the beginning, like the dum 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 dum. Um, and it's just such a great, like, it really doesn't even matter that the song is like disgusting beyond all belief. Um, it's just You're like making it hard for me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like if, if you had to like describe, yes, if so you had to good. describe '90s R&B to somebody, that's it. I would oh play them this God. song because it's over the top, explicit. <laughs> it's done really well and it's smooth. The production is so like '90s to a T. Um, and it's just and uh, for me, it's just a great uh, what '90s R&B was all about: being disgusting, bumping and grinding. Um, a smooth hook sung by um, you got the guy and the girl female too that was really popular in the later half of the 90s and early 2000s um, Ashanti and Jay-Z doing the uh, apex of it badly later um, you know so I just love it um, and I'm glad you guys both knew the song so you guys baby when we're crying I get so excited <laughs> I love that song <laughs> yeah, uh, so good so, <laughs> it's so, good. so that's yeah it's, it's 
so good. Um, so that's on my '90s nostalgia this week. So too close. Wow, next. man. Bringing I you back. I, I did not expect you to be listening to the '90s R&B this week. Oh, it, that TV show. I love the '90s, which is on YouTube. Uh, mm. it's just been. I'm like, oh yeah, that song was great. Yeah. And so, um, I've been really getting into like what what '90s uh music, <clears throat> pop music was all about, and really enjoying it. I think for like as a you know what it is kind of thing. Yeah. So nice. what do you got, man? Um, so Mike, M- Mike met up with me the other day at the gym to exchange a, a pair of Crocs. And, uh, oh, I love them too, by the way. Thank uh, you. I'm wearing them right now. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I saw them in the locker at work the other day. I, like, oh. yeah. I bought them and Mike was like, I said, I could drop them off at your house. He said, can I come meet you? <laughs> I, <wanna get> them. <laughs> I was really excited. They're so um, comfortable. They they are. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is pair number two for your boy. <laughs> anyway, so he, uh, Mike mentioned like when we met up, he's like, "Oh, did you check? Did you know King Gizzard and the w- Lizard Wizard put out a new album?" I said, "Oh shit, I thought it was coming out in like three weeks." And he, I could hear it playing in his car, and we talked about how like much we liked the kind of like Middle Eastern, like Mediterranean, like microtonal, atonal type of just like weird minor you know scales and stuff and so i was i've been playing that this week so the the album is called lw by king gizzard and the lizard wizard they they put out a a companion album called kg for king gizzard and then this one's lw lizard wizard um so kg came out in like maybe october but uh these are the first two albums so this band is is an australian band and they're kind of like a thrashy garage like kind of jam band i guess because any band that has like seven members you call a jam band i guess but um <clears throat> they do really cool intricate like scale you know microtonal weird chords and keys type of interplay there's like three guitarists and uh these last two albums are the first two to not have two drummers so it's a little bit of a different sound because just like another band that we like uh ocs which at times various times has had two drummers that's just like a cool element to hear like basically two guys playing the same exact part. So it just has this like natural kind of like delay or chorus effect on the drums. It's really thick and cool. Um, but yeah, these two albums, one drummer, but it's studio albums. So they still make it sound very, uh, you know, heavy on the percussion and drums. And uh, yeah, so LW, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, check it out. As Mike said, he said, it's like music you would hear playing at a bazaar. And it's like yeah, a bizarre bazaar. Like it's just, <laughs> it's, just it's, it's weird, but it's very melodic. It's very memorable. And it's, uh, you know, if, if you're not into the world music thing, give it a shot because it's music that is like made by white dudes from Australia. That sounds like it was made by like Turkish musicians or something, you know, it's, it's yeah. just very interesting. Yeah, right on. And one I of mean, the I... one of the funniest band names of all time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> who let the dogs out? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. Um, yeah, that album. It was. Uh, it just came up as like a recommended album for me, and uh, I was like, "Oh fuck it, I'll give it a shot." Because I I can't remember which album it is specifically that I have. I do have one album on vinyl. Uh, it's like a green. I think you have album non- cover. Nonagon Infinity. It has all Luke, the, Luke like, actually gave it to me. It has all the prisms all over it around I, the name. I did. Yeah, remember you're like, hey man, you want this? Because I don't. I'm not really into it. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I don't think I bought that for you, man. 
No, I'm pretty sure you did, though. No. Nah. Is it this one? No, no, no. Oh. It is... Um, hang on. I, I will find it. I think I might have got it for you for Christmas or something. That sounds familiar. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. It was the album um, I'm In Your Mind, Fuzz. Yeah, I think oh, I got it for you It's got, like, Christmas. a hand on the top of it, and it's, like, electricity and stuff. It's got... Uh, or, I mean, it's lightning, rather. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I dug... I was into that. Yes, that one, yeah. I was into that album. I thought it was cool, and then I saw this one, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then, like, I guess I just didn't really remember from that last album, like, the whole microtonal thing happening. And then within the first, yeah, <laughs> within the first seconds, a couple seconds of the album, I was like, oh, this is dope. Because I've, I've kind of been digging the, the microtonal thing. There's another band out of uh, Greece, out of Crete, actually. And right. the, the, um, the, it's, it's drums, bass, and lute. It's called Babel Trio. And the lute, uh, lutist... Uh, plays a loop, but instead of having like the conventional sort of frets, he does the same thing. Because what's unique about the lute is like, depending on how the instrument is made, most of the time the frets aren't made of metal like you would find on a guitar. They're made by like wrapping sort of like a fishing line style uh, plastic kind of thing around. So depending on you know your know how whatever, you can actually make adjustments and 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 alter the scale. Uh, and this one guy in particular. He he adjusts his so that way everything is kind of microtonal and stuff too. So yeah, I I really did that album. I love like the vocals too, how they're like kind of like soaked in like delay and reverb and like we are of... singing like this. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's far out, man. It's, it's interesting cool. music, you know. No, but I, it's fun music. I, I like that that whole scene's going on right now. Like you have like the OCs making like great records like that. Ty Siegel's been making great records like that. King Gizzard, Jeff um, Brotherhood. Yeah, Jeff the Brotherhood. They're all kind of in the same realm. Yeah, I just I like that garage rock psychedelic, um, like willing to experiment with um, with guitars and um, mm-hmm. electric, you know, guitar kind of music, and I, I dig that whole uh, thing happening. And there's a yeah. great like underground scene of it too that a lot of people aren't really aware of. So, you know, check that stuff out. There's like a gold mine of great bands uh, doing stuff like that. So and and we tout this. We've we've mentioned this a lot, but I, I think it's a Seattle-based radio station, KEXP. But they feature a lot of those type of bands. So if you have a chance, go on YouTube and check out the K. Or oh, I think Jeff- what was the band you played on oh. your year end list, Luke, that I really liked? And um, Man? Oh, Man Man, right. yes. Like yes. those bands that are like psych, it's like psych garage type of stuff. It's, I mean, it's good music. Yeah. King Gizzard and the Lizard yeah. Wizard. Yeah, and the band names are also equally as Shout good. out to Cassie Bennett uh, for, for turning me on to them. Oh, yeah. Them and Wolfpack. Yeah, I was going to say. What, what and Snarky Puppy. Snarky Pup- oh, and Snarky Puppy, okay. A woman of taste, Cassie Bennett. Thank you, Cassie Bennett. Shout, shout out Cassie Bennett. Shout out to Cassie Bennett. Um, well, I'm going to change gears a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel it back a little bit. Reel it back. I'm going go to go to the... Come the, on. Do the, the <laughs> no, segue. no, no, no. Keep trombone out <laughs> of the uh, punk band. Listen, man, our friends at the I saw them uh, live. Feel Feelings... <laughs> oh, the Feel Feelings podcast just did a whole um, episode of Real Big Fish playlists. So Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And they were, in fact, I think Danny and George were in competition with one another to see who came up with the best Real Big Fish playlist. I've seen them three times. Oh. My friends. Seasick. Getting... Seasickness. <laughs> yeah. Get them real fishy in here. Oh, got a lot of halibut that day. <laughs> Holy mackerel. 
I'm gonna take us back to to the golden era of Scott. <laughs> no, no, very much different of cocaine oh, and yes. disco fever. Uh, the year is 1978. The month is April, and Rick James releases his debut album. Come get it. Um, I love this album. I, it's so much fun. I mean, the big the big hits are "You and I" and "Mary Jane." Um, I mean, "Street Songs" is like the Rick James album, but I really, really like this one. It's still in the '70s, so it kind of has still a bit of that '70s flavor. We haven't really crossed over into like the, the like the real '80s kind of sound. Um, but I definitely feel Rick James is is kind of a product of like what you were you were talking about earlier, Jeff. You're talking about P Funk. You're talking about those kinds of things. Rick James is totally the the result of that sort of thing happening where it's very glamorous and it's you know like it's just it's got this great vibe to it it's disco-y but like it's funky it's got you know a little bit of everything um i love the intro too like the stone city band high where it's like they kind of all come in and then it kicks into you and i uh the song sexy lady is a song that i've been (laughs) learning on bass it's just so good like don't sleep on rick james bass man like i mean that great the bass playing on his albums are so good. The Rickenbacker tone, especially on that first record, is so like you would tell it's a Rickenbacker kind of thing. I love that. Yeah, it's got that that, that great like mid. Yeah, it's got that mids punch to it. Uh, it also features um, Michael Brecker on saxophone, who like this dude played with kind of like everybody. Man, I mean, he played from Steely Dan to Lou Reed, Eric Clapton, Billy Joel, John Lennon, Aerosmith, Frank Sinatra, Frank Zappa. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Carly Simon, the Brothers Johnson, like everybody. I mean, you know, great session guy. Uh, and then also Bobby Nunn on keyboards, who his claim to fame was a song called She's Just a Groupie that was sampled for the song Groupie by Snoop Dogg on his album, The Dog Father. So you have a really good lineup. <laughs> oh, you have a good lineup. Um, and... Um, it's just a fun album, man. It's so much fun. Like, that's the thing I love about Rick James, too, is like, you know, we were talking earlier, like, you know, keeping things dancey and upbeat and kind of like coming out of the winter and trying to get the mood back up and like, you know, getting ready for the summer, the spring and the summertime. Uh, and Come Get It for me is like, it's just one of those albums. I mean, he, um, the follow up album is also really good. Busting Out of L7. That's a great album. And then even like Fire It Up is another great one. Fire It Up's the one. Grindstone like... Cowboy on the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like standing on the front cover like, oh, man. Wearing like the platform, like boots and all white, like leather jumpsuit, all that. Like, it's just, it's great, man. So, yeah, don't sleep on Rick James. Like, I, I definitely feel like he, he's kind of become like a meme of himself in a way because of like the Chappelle thing. But, um, but th- th- there's a reason why Charlie Murphy was telling this story because at the time, man, Rick James was the shit. You, you know, he and, he, and he's the link. He he is, you know, we're we're exiting Black History Month, but Rick James, yeah, he's a he's a punchline for a lot of people because of the Chappelle Show. But musically, he is the connective bridge between P Funk and like Prince and the early '80s electro mm-hmm. type of funk, and right, especially right. come get it, it's like it's still. You know, a lot of keyboards on it, but it's not the like heavy, heavy synths. It's like keyboard to accent what the guitar and bass is doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you kind of like, like you kind of get in the end of the 70s, you get like Casey and the Sunshine Band, like kind of doing like, like Fox, like soul kind of thing, right? Like uh, that 
kind of style. And then Rick James just comes out uh, with that album at the end and just puts like reinvigorates soul and disco into like a new flavor and brings it back into like being an authentic, uh, you know, kind of more like bass genre again and really sets it forward. So great episode of Tales from the Tour Bus too, the Rick James episode, especially his keyboard player, Levi Ruffin. He like has that that Buffalo, New York accent. And he just talks about like, Rick James was a bad son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's like, we saw that little Prince motherfucker. That guy could dance, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, like the competition, the competition between Prince and Rick James is crazy. Like they were, they were doing stuff to each other back in the day that was like, Oh, you have a girl group? I'm gonna produce a right. girl group. And it's like, what? Like, who is just like making albums out of spite? Well, and Prin- <laughs> Prince opened for Rick James, like on one of his first big tours. And yeah, Levi Ruffin's like, yeah, we'll let that little motherfucker go out there, but we blew him off the fucking stage every night. <laughs> <laughs> cut, his, cut his volume and yeah. that kind of stuff. Because Rick James, their band is going out there with like eight foot tall, like joint props. And like cannons <laughs> of confetti and shit. <laughs> Give it to me, babe. Dude, I uh, love, I love so the music. I love the Rick James music. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. It's like Rick. You listen to Rick James, and you kind of can't be in a bad no. mood. You know what I mean? And that's kind of I like. I like that vibe. I, I I like listening to music where it's just like you know, because I mean, like you said, coming hot off the tracks of Black History Month and like doing the deep dive into Stevie Wonder. So Stevie Wonder was making me feel all my feels. You know, and I was like, no, I need something a little bit lighter. I need something a little bit more fun and, you know, having a good time kind of thing. Not that Stevie Wonder doesn't give, doesn't deliver that, but it's not, you know, Rick James is definitely not like making you contemplate the universe. Rick James makes you want to like blow a couple rails. And, well, yeah, like, Rick, Rick James <laughs> you know, is, go, is, go to the discotheque. Collins, but instead of doing acid every day, he's bl- doing coke every day. Uh, yeah, yes. exactly. So cocaine's a hell, of a, drug. a hell of a drug. Rest in peace, Rick James. Oh my God! So, <laughs> Rest in peace, you bad motherfucker. <laughs> you bad motherfucker. So let me give you the exact opposite of a Stevie Wonder song by giving you the. Oh wait, no. I'm. Are you talking next, about the backwards name album? Because that's the exact. Wait, <laughs> am I? Yes, you are. You are yeah, next. Okay. Yeah, you're next. I didn't want to jump the line here, but um, I'm going to give you a opposite of uh, well, not the opposite, but uh, it's a Stevie Wonder song with no substance. Uh, I'll be there by the Spice Girls. Oh, I love um, Spice Girls. Is my next pick. Um, Spice up your life. So the uh, the main reason I love the song is because at the end it has like a fake Stevie Wonder um, uh, harmonica solo. It's like the chromatic. It's, it sound, it's just a Stevie Wonder ripoff all day. But um, I love this song because when uh, obviously all my picks are there about 90s nostalgia. And this is. For me, like I had a sister that was like a t- like um thirteen and fourteen, well maybe a little younger in this era, maybe like twelve, eleven in uh the Spice Girls era, and my sister was so into it, and it was like the flower power, um girls rule kind of thing, and I was like a little bit younger, and so this was like heavily absorbed, and I just really, I like this song. I think it stands on its own two feet still. Um, I like uh, the back and forth, like girls, like each taking like a line of the song and accenting each other. Um, I think it's a great R&B song. It definitely sounds like a Stevie Wonder track made in the 90s. Like it has like the more like danceable, like drum beat, but like all the synth sounds are all like Stevie Wonder keyboard sounds and stuff. And I love like the Spice Girls girl power on top of it. Um, 
So that's uh, my last pick. And I think it, the Spice Girls really defined the 90s in the, um, the, all the best and worst ways. And I think they made some great music. And this is like a song that, as a guitar rock guy, that I enjoy and will listen to all the time. So Spice yeah. Girls, I'll Be There. It's a great song. Um, concludes my 90s and sound. Yeah, man. I mean, Spice Girls was like, it was so big. I, because Luke, you're like you're what, like four years younger than me, so you were like two or three when this came out. This shit was like, I think it came out in '96 and '97. So this mm-hmm. was when I was like eight years old, and it was just like everywhere, like too much mm-hmm. stop, wannabe, all these songs. Say you'll be there though. You know that harmonica solo? It's the same dude who played on a Karma Chameleon. Really? Yeah, by, by oh, Culture no Club. Some like studio Ooh. guy. I don't know his name, but. I knew that because I looked it up once, the Stevie Wonder, because it sounds just like Stevie Wonder. Right. Um, yeah, man, I love the Spice Girls. So, yeah, I just, I, yeah. I think the song is like, it, it, like the other ones are like kind of more like, um, they're like a little too hectic for me, but this one's got like a laid back style that like fits in with the R&B at the time. But um, I, I just, um, I think it really stands on its own. The production on it is like, so crisp and perfect and um in the choruses like the um you know the harmonies are just like so like right on and i just i love the the perfectness of it and i think like all the songs i've been listening to are like this week kind of have that same kind of feel to them and i don't know i just i I love the um you know the girl powerness of it too so and the cool thing with them too is like in contrast to say like your backstreet boys and your instincts which were like kind of these these groups that were kind of put together by producers, whatever, whatever, uh, Spice Girls kind of organically formed. Mm. Like they, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they weren't kind of a girl super group that was put together. Like from what I understand, the five of them knew each other and were like, hey, we should start like a singing group together. And they kind of did it on their own. You know, they made it happen for themselves. Also, you know, a lot of uh, like the pop, the mega pop star groups, were really coming out of the, the states at the time so this is cool too because you kind of get like this british thing you know what i mean like i think of spice girls i think of i also kind of think of like austin powers <laughs> right. shag me like it's that era it's that it's that kind of i mean even Oasis. like you were talking about yeah well yeah and and also like you were talking about earlier too luke with with um uh what was that d delight night delight sorry um you know you can you can kind of see how like yeah that 60s 70s nostalgia kind of bled into everything in that way too like even even if you watch trash tv shows like the surreal life and all that stuff like you know like it was all like low-rise bootcut jeans and tube tops and you know like more bell bottom it was like going and stuff like that it was the spice girls like flashing the peace sign yeah right right and jack dress and stuff yeah, like the right. like the who would would have done back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. And uh, like I was saying, like Oasis, like we even got like a mini Br- uh, British invasion, you know, with like the mm-hmm. pop group, and then like you know you had Oasis being like the Beatles and Blur being the Rolling Stones. Like the like the nineties had its own own flavor that was you know kind of you know. Yeah. I just been really exploring that vibe. I, I I've been uh, digging it and really enjoying the music of my youth. Yeah, and the Spice Girls sold 90 million records worldwide, which makes them the best-selling girl group of all time. Well, and they only had two and studio of, albums with all five of them. Yeah. 
Right. So, and they made a movie. Like, it's, you know, I I love the bonkers. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, but that's something that, like, you know, like the Beatles. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very a la, like, it's, I think it's kind of a homage to that kind of thing. Like, you know, it's, it's a band, but it's also an enterprise, you know, and they make, like, they make films. And I love the personas too. You have, like, scary, sporty, posh, you know, like, baby, I think baby, baby spice, baby face spice or whatever. Like, you know, I just I thought the whole thing was just like it's just fun, man. It's so much fun. Yeah, my know, s- it's like super poppy and bubblegummy and all that stuff. But like, I don't know, I love it. My sister was very upset when I ran over her scary uh, spice Barbie doll with my bike. Oh no, not scary. scary. Yeah, scary had to go. She had tattoos. Oh, uh, she's my Barbie favorite. Doll. One. Oh no, yeah. sport sporty Mel was B, my favorite. Right? Uh, baby spice. I'm a baby sporty spice guy. I like those. Uh, I like the the chunky shoes oh, yeah. she wore. I was a posh spice guy. She's, Just because I always thought Victoria Beckham was she's my least favorite attractive. <laughs> I just thought she was hot. <laughs> all I was like, tw- like ten year old Mike was true. like, she's pretty. She's yeah. real pretty. <laughs> she's pretty posh, <laughs> but she's quite posh. Yeah. Uh, nice choice, yeah. Lou. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah, I like your choices for this episode, man. They're a lot of fun. They're bringing me back. Thank you. I'll, I'll share my 90s nostalgia playlist with everybody on my Instagram at Julius Records today. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so my yeah. my choice, like like Luke said earlier, like we didn't we didn't talk about what we we're going to talk about. We just said like let's just talk about what we've been listening to. So we didn't plan any of this. But the other one I wanted to talk about is kind of like brings us full circle. Uh, it's another like '90s ele- '90s electronic like dance pop group or artist, and that's Fatboy Slim. I've been listening to a ton of because <laughs> um, like the singles, the big singles, "Praise You," amazing, "Rockefeller Skank," incredible, and "Weapon of Choice" featuring Bootsy Collins and vocals is just like, especially especially the long baby. version of all these tracks. They're like six minute mixes. I mean the vi- the music videos like uh, the time when music videos were like dominating music culture was between the years of 1998 and like 2003 like that was the TRL age and the the Fatboy Slim videos were constantly on MTV like Praise You is the one where you got the group like old person aerobics class in a mall it's like lo-fi video and Weapon of Choice is Christopher Walken like flying through the air in a ballroom <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Fatboy Slim stuff, I've, I've just been listening to that all week and it's, it's, it's British music, but you know, it's just, they were American huge pop hits. So anything Fatboy Slim, the, uh, the, the, uh, greatest hits album is the one to check out, I guess, cause the singles are the best part. Uh, I forget what that one's called, but check out the greatest hits of Fatboy Slim and just go down the rabbit hole and enjoy his stuff. Right now, I like I like how we kind of the '90s vibe and also like dancing yeah. music was. Very, I I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. Um. For my last, I kind of went a little bit heavier in the past couple of days. Um. So we we when when we wake up in the morning with my son, we like to just play music rather than just like you know put on cartoons and stuff like that. I like play music. And I woke up the other day, and my wife was just like, you know, I I, I was like. One of the recommended was uh, was Mozart, like an actual orchestra performing Mozart. And uh, and he was just completely, obs- you know, like he just stopped everything and just kept watching it, you know. So, 
you know, I heard a little bit of Mozart, and I was like, you know what, let's let's do some Mozart, you know. And uh, I've just been listening to the Amadeus, like the soundtrack. Dude, I watched that movie this film. week again. We didn't talk about this. Did week. you? Yes. Oh my <laughs> god, man! What the hell? This is crazy. The best. This is the crazy. best movie. It ever is. Made. It is. Oh, incredible dude. movie. It's such a good movie. Um, the creature, <laughs> the creature I had her. Watching, you know? watching it with you two was like one of like my favorite movie viewing experiences of my life. We wa- it's like we watched the four and a half hour version of it too. Oh man, yeah, the director's oh, wait, cut. Man. Impression, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he farts. <laughs> It's so bananas. So it's so bonkers. I I love the way that they oh, depict Mozart in it because, like, even judging by like you know, because I've I've read some Mozart books kind of thing and like looked up, you know, read the wiki pages for this, that, and the other thing. So it's like it seems like it's pretty accurate in the way that like he was not only a musical genius, but he was also like a really weird like perverted like clown. <laughs> yeah, he was like an orchestral clown. But he wrote some of the most <laughs> profound music, like, to date, you know what I mean? So, like, it's pretty, it's it's crazy. It goes to show you, like, the mm. mind of an artist in that way, especially with him. Like, and he wrote, like, weird, like, scatological sexual letters to, like, his husbands <laughs> and stuff. Like, it's just weird. Like, some of the stuff he did was weird, but you're kind of like, I mean, the music speaks for yeah. itself. Like, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, it was, it was weird times. That's why, but, that's what happens when you are jealous of Mozart. That's, that's all, you know what I'm you, saying? You lose your mind. Uh, Mediocrity <laughs> everywhere. Um, I absolve you at the end. Like, I absolve you. To all I the other people. Yeah. yeah, Salieri just losing his mind. The music, um, yeah. Mozart, he is. But the music, the man. Oh, my God, man. Like the two, I mean, the two masterpieces, his masses, you know, that he never actually finished, that he began composing at the end of his life, the great mass in C minor, and then obviously like the Requiem mass. Um, there was, you know, I mean, naturally as these things happen, like Milos Forman kind of like took some sort, you know, some, some, some liberties in the, Tons, in the film, yeah. like ultimately like, yeah, Mozart and Salieri were, like, around each other and stuff. But, like, the narrative of, like, Mozart driving Salieri to madness and then, like, as a result, murdering Mozart or, like, driving Mozart into the madness, which would be his death. No, Mozart died because he was an alcoholic, right. okay? And, like, he drank himself to death. Like, let's be real. Um, but music-wise, it's just, oh, my God, man. Like, the Serenade for Winds and B-flat major, that one, like, when Salieri's, like, describing it in the film like just the pulse and then the novo and then the clarinet like this the descriptions of it like so, uh, such unfulfillable longing and he said the 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 way that he describes that you listen to the mozart's music then and you can really just hear like the profound nature of his of his compositions so i mean you know uh k365 like the third movement is on the you know, concerto for two pianos and e flat major like beautiful man like there's just you know i'm i'm not a huge mozart opera guy you know like okay you have like your selections from like don giovanni Giovanni. but like but even that man like what a dark and brooding opera you know what i mean and like it goes to show you too that like mozart had so many hang-ups too and like if it was modern day like I would recommend Mozart maybe seek out some therapy. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, well, clearly you have this terrible relationship with your father. And like, he, he, he was like a, he's like kind of the earliest example of like a child superstar, you know? Because his father 
pretty much just brought him around and like, like, look at my son, you know, I mean, the dude wrote like his first scale opera, I think at the age of 12, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy. And Leopold Mozart, his father, also a composer in his own right. Um, But Mozart himself experiencing loss at an early age, like it's, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. So it's interesting listening back because you can hear sort of, especially towards the end of his life, you can hear how like dark his music got and how like scary it almost got. Like you're like, oh man, like it kind of gives you the chills a little bit, especially like the Requiem. It's like, like it gives you the jitters, you know? So so yeah, that for for my final what I've been listening to lately, I, it's not like I've been listening to this all week. I literally pulled it up two days ago, and I've kind of been like just touching on a couple of tunes here and there within the past couple of days. But if you want, like, because there, you know, Mozart quote unquote compilations are a dime a dozen, man. You know, and you look and the, you, there's so many of them. But if, in terms of like my personal taste, I think this is probably one of the most well done ones as this film soundtrack, mm-hmm. and not for nothing. But I think for the year, I think uh, 1984, it won like the it won the award for like best classical music album for the year, you know. So it, I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, credit where credits due, of course. But um, it's just cool how like you know at that point, like 84, whatever, there's kind of like this this Mozart resurgence as a result of the movie. But definitely, yeah, I mean, the album is great if you're. If you're interested in dabbling in classical music, I think Mozart's probably like the best like entry level classical music that you can kind of get into along with maybe like some Chopin or like, you know, Bach is always good, too. If you're into the the Baroque thing's kind of a different vibe. Bach Vivaldi, that's kind of a different thing. But uh, but in terms of like classical music or even getting into like romantic period, like Rachmaninoff and stuff like that, like there's some there's some good stuff. So I definitely encourage people to uh, if you want to if you want to get into orchestral classical compositions and music and stuff like that mozart beethoven there's a reason why they're household names even for people who don't listen to classical music there's a reason why you know who they are and it's just for that man you know but i think mozart for me is 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 the best entry level you know it's like kind of blue miles davis it's like if you're gonna get into it start here so I'd say you could cut the Mozart start here. You could also come to my house and get all your classical music box sets. I know. I and, so... p- and pick them up so I can no longer have them at my house. <laughs> you can yeah, enjoy well, there's them. A, there's a Bach, a Beethoven, and a Mozart. There's but more the thing than is, that. Is there? Strauss, Chopin, Chopin, there's like five. Stravinsky. Stravinsky, Uh Yeah, there's... Um, but yeah, I just classical music. Duh, yeah, man. Uh, Wagner too. Richard Wagner, another one who was like kind of like the heavy metal composer, if you want to call it that. That dude used to use what were called octabases, which was like an upright bass that was twice the size that required two people to play it, one person to bow and the other person to actually do the fingerings on the fingerboard. Like, you know, so mm, standing on know. each other's shoulders got uh, under a single. <laughs> yeah, after a while. Yeah, yeah. Mozart. I mean, he's the best. Like you said, he is. He is the most uh, melodic, pop-ish, whatever of all those classical classical composers. Like my opinion, he has a piece called Ave Verum Corpus, which is it's like a vocal piece that's made. I don't even think it's five minutes long, and it's very simple. And it's just like stacked thirds that kind of rise, and then the male voices do the same thing, and then back and forth, back and forth, and it's just this like beautiful hymn and. It's like I think I think it's like the best four yeah. minutes of music ever written. 
I think in terms of the way that he made his compositions too, like you can really see the ripple effect in terms of even like maybe modern day pop music and the way that like Mozart always would give you like, you know, he'd give you the opening theme, you know, and then things would kind of like go into maybe somewhere else or, and then he would give you the same theme and, but instead of it starting off as in a major key, then he gives you the same key, the same theme in a minor key. But then there's always the resolve. Like he always gives you a a great, beautiful resolve. He always brings it back. Uh, he always gives you like the ending that you want and kind of the format where you see now in modern day pop music where it's like, you know, intro verse, chorus verse and so on. I definitely think Mozart, to a certain extent, had that kind of a, a quality to his music where it's like, you know, everything, everywhere his music goes. Um, it makes sense. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it makes, yeah, everything just makes sense, you know, and Bach has that quality about him too, where everything just makes sense. Like, um, and I think maybe... Maybe because so much of my early life was heavily steeped in the music of Mozart and classical music that maybe that's why jazz blows my mind so much because it's just things don't go where I think that they should go. And, you know, it's like maybe you think things should go here, but that doesn't mean that things can't go somewhere else, you know. And uh, and yeah, so but yeah, that's my final pick, man. Just I love it. Mozart is my guy like. He's of all the composers, he's probably the one that I listen to the most. I love Beethoven too. I love, you know, like we said, Liszt, Chopin, like stuff like that. But Mozart's just, he just ticks a box for me, man. It's just like when I want a little bit of that juice, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, Mozart. What, what a list! What a list we've made from Delight from to Girls. Mozart. That's in the title of this, <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah, I'll name, that's what I'll name this one. <laughs> Delight to Mozart. Um, so yeah, so well, there we are. Uh, subtitle. Groove <laughs> yeah. <in> the run. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, I love the scene where where he's trying on wigs and he's like, "I love them all so much. Why do I have three heads?" <laughs> Just like Dude, I oh, love madness, that movie so madness. Much. Too many notes. Too many notes. <laughs> There are really only so many notes the human ear can the human ear can hear. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you think about it, dude, he was writing this profound work when he was like twenty oh, years old. Yeah, he wrote old. he wrote half his shit by the time Younger. he was twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monster. So there you have it. Get in the garage. <laughs> what we've been listening to lately? Special episode. Special announcements. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey. Uh, so, so this yeah, week, ahead. new episode of What Do You Love About Music featuring a mystery guest. So we'll see what happens. But it'll be out on Wednesday. Oh. Um, and you want to tell people about next week what we're doing with George and company? Yes, we are planning. I don't want to reveal too much because we're going to keep it a surprise <laughs> to a certain extent, even though I believe it's going to be a Spotify exclusive episode. Um, but, uh, yes, the three of us will be joining George and Danny on the feel feelings podcast to make a very special announcement of which we are very excited. Uh, I think we plan on recording it next Sunday morning. So hopefully it will be released on Sunday. I think feel feelings releases their podcast on Fridays. Um, but I think they make an exception to that rule when they do like Spotify exclusive style episodes. So I don't know if we're going to like copy and paste style that episode as our episode for next week as well 
or, uh, you know, I mean, we'll probably just do our own episode as well, but we, you know, we have some exciting stuff coming up too. We're going to, you know, try to link up with some interesting guests and, um, have them hop on and do some fun stuff. I have, I am on week number two of a, of a hiatus for the, what works for you podcast. It's been kind of difficult for me lately time-wise to find the time to, to do it. It's not over. I'm not, not doing it, but I'm definitely, I think I'm going to start getting on a bi-weekly schedule. So only really releasing two episodes per month rather than doing a weekly one. So I think my next guest is most likely going to be my mom. So that should be fun. That should be uh, that should be nice. a good time. Um, I gotta get her hooked up with the Anchor app and all that stuff, and teach her how to do everything. But uh, no, it sh- it should be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That should be dropping hopefully within the week. Also, I think I'm gonna change the release day for it because I was releasing them on Sundays, but I'm gonna start aiming for releases more towards the middle of the week. So probably like Thursdays or Fridays. So so uh, yeah, Weird. keep on lookout for that. But uh, but anyway, well guys good episode peace and don't forget get in the garage get in the garage garage. we'll see you next time get in the garage guys get in the garage (laughs) get in the garage (laughs) (laughs) this has been a presentation from the wasted robot network for more information and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.